Welcome back, guys. Today, I'm going to take you through two sort of chapters eight, nine, and ten. So here we go, chapter eight. The old Hennepin place was on the river road just outside of town. The house was gray with a gray drive and gray stoop. A basketball hoop hung on the gray garage. Wood surrounded the yard, so even when the sun shone, the house stayed in shadow. The green Impala, with the trailer behind it, squeaked to a stop in the drive. The driver's door creaked open and whomped shut. Squawk! Then thump went the passenger side. The man opened up the house. Ferris Boyd opened the trailer. They carried their things inside without a word between them. The birds were talking, though. They were everywhere, chirping and chattering like the welcome wagon on wings. It was almost dusk when they were done. The man went into the house, and a light came on in the back of it. Ferris Boyd reached into the trunk of the green Impala. She pulled out a backpack and an old basketball. She shuffled up the drive. As she got to the steps, there was a tiny rustle, a sound so small nobody noticed. Ferris Boyd stopped. She tilted her right ear toward it. There was a crackle. Slowly, Ferris Boyd turned. Her eyes traveled along bushes and between trees till she found the one who'd called her. It sat in the shadows at the edge of the woods. Its eyes go glowed golden. Ferris Boyd blinked. The eyes blinked back. Meow! It wondered, and Ferris Boyd answered without saying a word. It flicked its tail twice. All right. The girl went into the house. In a minute, she was on the stoop again. She set a bull in the grass. She sat on the steps and waited. As the creature crept down the lawn, the girl stayed still. When it put its head in the bowl, she didn't move. When it was finished, it walked past her, bumping her shins with its body. Ferris Boyd raised one hand so her fingers brushed its back and it purred. It ran across the lawn and stopped at the edge of the brush. The tail flicked twice. Good night. Ferris Boyd nodded. Then the black cat disappeared in the darkness. The pale, skinny girl slipped into the house. A light came on in the upstairs window. Chapter 9 At dinner, Deli was still thinking about her surprise, but now there was no smiling. Now instead of hoping for a puppy or a magic wand to make Galveston disappear, she was wondering, was the tingle just teasing me? And worse, will anything good ever happen to me again? It felt bad, the kind of bad she needed, she need a fight to forget. Clarice was occupied with other things. It wasn't that she forgot about the surprisant, but with Montana dogging her, Ma, I need money for my date, and Tallahassee begging, Can I stay at Fern Teeter's, please? There was no room to remember. Ma, we need more beans, Arby announced. While Clarice was up filling the bowl, Galveston quit chewing her potatoes to chew on Deli. So, she snipped at her, Where's that surprisant? Is it in the garage, or does Verena have to lock it? Does Verena have it locked up? The other children held their breath. Dallas and Tallahassee got ready to squeeze, but Deli stared at her plate like she hadn't heard a word. The other sighed and went back to their food, and Deli was flying across the table. She was gone before Dallas and Tallahassee could touch her. She landed on Galveston's chest and got her right by the hair. She was yanking it left then right like it was the reins on a bucking bronco. Gal was making strange sounds. 
And Deli was yelling, that's so funny, gal. How come you're not laughing now? Clarice got to them first. Let go, she hollered as she pried off the tiny, terrible fingers. Galveston was clutching her scalp, screaming, am I bald? Did she bald me? Dallas threw Deli over his shoulder and started up the stairs. Galveston, she howled. You stay in your room till I tell you, Clarice shouted after her. Roar, 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 Deli growled. But Ma, Gal cried, she has dishes. In a flash, Clarice was in her face fuming. You'll do dishes tonight, and you'll do them every night for a week. Gal thought about whining some more, but Clarice was too close. Yes, Ma, she whimpered. Clarice was waiting till she calmed down to talk to Deli. That didn't happen till two hours later. Deli was on her bed facing the wall when her mom walked in the room. Don't leave this house till Monday morning, Clarice ordered, and you've got dishes next week with your sister. She turned to go. Ma, the rasp called. What is it? Clarice said, still hard. It didn't come. What didn't come, she asked, and the rasp was so filled with sadness it almost couldn't speak. My surprising. Then Clarice remembered. Oh, she sighed. She sat on the edge of Deli's bed. She watched the tiny back breathing. I thought you were going to meet it, she said softly. I did. Well, where'd you go, she wondered. Deli told her all the places she'd search for the surprising. There's your problem, Clarice said. That Sir Present couldn't catch you moving around like that. Clarice's words sent little sparks of hope to Deli's heart. She turned toward her mom. You think? Yep. You gotta stay in one place, which is good, because tomorrow you're grounded. But Deli needed more than that to get her hope back. Ma, are you sure? And Clarice, remembering Deli's smile that morning, said, Sure. That did it. Hope flickered in Deli's heart, then it went to full flame. She lay there in the warmth of Clarice's sure. Good night, Deli, Clarice said as she got up off the bed. Good night, Ma, the rasp replied, because now it was. Chapter 10. Brad Kinney lived out the river road about a half mile past the old Hennepin place. He was in the fifth grade at St. Stanislaus the boys school two towns away. Brad Kinney loved basketball. He played before the bus picked him up. He played at night when the porch light shining. He played all day in his head while his teachers talked. And on Sundays he was at the park playing with the other River Bluffs kids. He played till his arms ached and his fingertips rubbed raw because what Brad Kenny wanted most was to play basketball like nothing nobody'd ever seen, only better. Brad's two front teeth were fake. They glowed white in the light. He got those teeth making a basket. So they were like two tooth-shaped trophies. They'd been playing at the park, Brud, Gwenny, Tater, and Det Barnes, and Novello. It was a close game, and it was getting mean. Tater got the ball into Gwenny. Brud, she hollered, and hurled it down the court. With Novello breathing down his back, Brud grabbed it. He took a step and jumped high in the air. His hands sent the ball soaring into the sky. As he came back to earth, Brud's eyes watched, and his ears listened for the swish of the score. So he didn't see Novella's elbow coming at him. He didn't hear Gwenny shout, Watch out! He hardly felt the bone hammer in his mouth. Brud's body hit the ground with a thud. 
His mouth started shooting blood like a crimson geyser. Danny Novella was dancing around the court screaming, There are teeth in my arm! His teeth are in my elbow! Tater and Gwenny leaned over Brud. Wow! Was all Tater could say. You're all right, Gwenny asked him. But Brud only wanted to know, Did I m -m make the sh shot? Yep, she told him. Then Brud passed out smiling. Thanks for joining me today, guys. I'll see y'all.